This is Hope FM. Now, I've been able to travel to uh, many countries uh, in my life, but Tanzania isn't one of them. Uh, but one person who's been there pretty much pretty regularly uh, before we had the, the COVID challenges is David Stamen. Good morning to you, David. Uh, good morning, Blair. Good morning, everyone. Now, David, for the uninitiated like myself who's never been to Tanzania, I mean, clearly you've been a, a number of times. C- can you remember your, your very first visit? And, and tell us something about what you encountered you know, in the country. What's, what was it like? Uh, the very first visit was in 1991. Um, and that occurred because there was a, a brother here in the church in Exeter who occasionally went over to Tanzania and came back with reports of uh, what he'd been doing out there and the situation out there. And uh, so I thought beyond just listening to his reports, uh, I thought um, because we're together in one church and this brother was going out there, I thought uh, just as a matter of faithfulness of being part of this, the, the church the Lord put me in, I, I, I started to pray uh, for the work of the Lord in Tanzania. Um, I didn't have a, uh, a particular, uh, what people might call a burden, but I, I, as I say, it was just a matter of faithfulness. Did you do a wee uh, bit of research in the country, you know, to, so you knew the sort of things to pray for? Well, no, I didn't. That's a direct question, and the direct answer would be, I don't think so. I, I, listen, I listened to the brother's report, and at that stage... I don't think I did. I just prayed for God's people out there, for the work of the Lord out there, uh, that the Lord would bless his people. Uh, I, I played in, in those terms. Well, of course, um, you, it wasn't that you didn't have any information because, as you rightly said, no. you had what was shared with you. and So that, that was a good starting point. Yes, in, indeed. Uh, I can't remember any details beyond that that I, I would pray for you know the, for the Lord's people out there and for His work out there, and uh, as you say, I probably would have included things that uh, this brother Richard had shared with us. Um, and then um, the strange thing, uh, unexpected thing, is that I uh, sensed that I would be going, and I remember in February 1991 uh, feeling I. I could buy a ticket now to go in September. I felt it so clearly. And then in, uh, it was the summer of 1991, this brother Richard came to me and said, look, they've organized uh, a conference of village churches for the first time, and the person who was coming, I think, from North America sort of couldn't come or has let them down, and they urgently need someone. I can't go. Uh, and the only person I could think of was you. <laughs> and I said, well, what... What month is that? He said, September. And so I looked at my wife, who was sat there with us, who was um, uh, several months pregnant. I looked at her, and uh, she just said, well, you'll have to go, won't you? Which was a miracle in itself. Uh, And so I went uh, in September 1991. um, And I just fell in love with the place, um, and the people, and on my return, I immediately bought uh, a dictionary and a grammar book 
to to learn the language. I didn't know whether I was going to go back. Uh, there was no re-invitation at that stage, but um, it was so in my heart, on my heart. Uh, uh, I just, yeah, felt completely <laughs> in love with the place and the people. It's amazing how God works, isn't it? So, so I mean, there you, you had that impression about going in September, not knowing, of yes. course, that there was going to be. And of course, not only did you go, but you had to speak at this conference. Uh, what, what were you? What yeah. were? You, what were you speaking on? Can you remember? Uh, I, yeah, I, I can remember one or two of the things. Um, it, I, I spoke on the kingdom of God, and I think. Uh, my purpose then, as it is now, is to emphasize the inward change that becoming a Christian, that being born again means, uh, that it uh, <laughs> coming into the kingdom of God, becoming a Christian, being born again, uh, is essentially uh, a radical total inward change of our beings um, and to distinguish that from outward things, from following outward rules uh, and over time of having uh, gone out there uh, nearly annually since 1991 there is a tendency can be a tendency anywhere to rely on the outward outward rules, outward modes of of conduct, of ritual. So my part of what I speak on to this day is that the Lord has died to bring us into a personal relationship with him where we really know him. And this comes about through an inward change that not just cleanses us from sin, but sets us free from sin. And uh, I remember uh, that was part of my preaching then, uh, as it is integral to what I speak on now when I go. Hope FM, Faith-Filled Radio. Well, that's the Celebration Choir there uh, with their version of that wonderful Fanny Crosby hymn, Blessed Assurance. My very special guest, a regular visitor under normal circumstances, over a period of some 30 years has been David Stamen. Of course, he was just sharing with us there that very first visit. But I guess on that very first visit, there must have been an element of you going in a wee bit of fear and, and trepidation because you, not really knowing the language. And I guess at that point, you didn't know the, the, the culture. Did you have to speak through an interpreter? When I, I first went, um, uh, I don't know how much fear and trepidation I went. I was certainly looking forward to it. With uh, I just I was very thankful to the Lord that he sort of made it clear it wasn't just by certain connections that I was going out there, but that uh, uh, I was going in his will. So I was really thankful to the Lord uh, for that. Uh, and as I say, when I got there, I absolutely loved the place, loved the people. And of course, there was uh, the, the pastor or the man uh, who 
took me around to the churches first to the uh, up into the mountains we went to, to the conference of village churches he interpreted for me yes now the people who were attending the conference were they from a number of different churches in tanzania and, and, and predominantly uh, those who were christian yes well it was uh, the invitation came from uh, a particular pentecostal church in tanzania and so they met at a school they hired uh, sort of uh, i don't know about hired but they we met in a school and they came from the surrounding villages from this one denomination this one pentecostal denomination um so they were from the villages and this is quite a way uh, uh from any city uh so it was a village background but um the attentiveness uh was, was quite something to see uh i, I must uh, say that um it was very encouraging when the eyes you know people's eyes are just fixed on you as they were mm. and they just seemed to be drinking it in uh, even though uh, at, at that stage i wasn't maybe aware of how much they knew what they'd been taught uh, but uh, it seemed that they were able to appreciate what i was sharing with them and uh, that was a consistent feature that people were uh, opened eyed leaning forward uh, uh, even if i say it myself sort of hanging on every word they were they seemed to be drinking it in well, of course, clearly that, that first visit uh, won your heart, David, and uh, life was never quite uh, to be the same. You came back to the, the UK, and uh, of course, you must have been thinking to yourself, I can't wait to get back, but th- this time you did start to doing your research, and you did start to begin to learn something of the language. Was that Swahili? Yes, yes, um, it's spoken in East Africa. So as soon as I got back, I I, I started learning uh, Swahili, and uh, because I didn't know if I was going to go out there, but I thought uh, I would be. So I I, I learned the language because there's no way I was going to go out there, uh, prospectively on a regular basis, without getting to know the people. You know, I, I just felt that was a total no-no to go regularly and not to be able to get to know the people I'm speaking to was a total no-no for me. I had to learn the language. I wanted to get to know the people and have fellowship uh, with people. And it's, it's something, of course, they that may, has made an impact on them, and it still does, that someone's taken the trouble to learn the language. And that has been a tremendous boon in getting to know people, in getting to know the culture, uh, it's been a tremendous boon. And of course, with now you know something like thirty visits, uh, you know over, over over the years, you must have developed some very real uh, relationships uh, and uh, and got to know uh, the people in the different regions uh, pretty yeah. well. Uh, yes, yes, um, uh, among the. Uh, uh, well, they say the Swahili speakers of Tanzania and also the Maasai. Uh, I had an opportunity to be invited to Maasai churches 
uh, out into the bush. Um, uh, it was an utter joy uh, going into the bush or into the mountains, into remote areas, sleeping in a, in a mud hut, identifying with the people as much as possible was a real joy to me, to be one with them in their environment uh, and with regards uh, to, to learning the language, uh, Maasai language is a, is, a, is a different kettle of fish. But yes, I got to know uh, people among the Maasai, uh, among the Tanzanians, uh, and have very, very good, close friends uh, among them. I mean, if you were to compare the, the sort of spiritual temp- temperature, the, the, the thirst and so on that you first experienced in that first visit, you know, I think you used the term, you know, hanging on your every word and eyes fixed upon you. I mean, uh, and yeah. clearly the spiritual temperature that you would have and the thirst and hunger that you would have experienced over the years in Africa would be very sadly quite different to what, of course, the climate here in our own country is like. That must be something that, that 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 saddens you and 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 so on. How, how would you how would you compare? Uh, uh, this is uh, a vast topic. Um, uh, I must say, the the interest that is shown in in what I share uh, partly derives from that. Um, uh, not everyone focuses on the things that I share with, uh, share on. Um, the topics uh, I speak on, uh, there is much zeal for the Lord in Tanzania, wherever you go. Uh, remotest villages, there are churches. Uh, people are very active uh, in serving the Lord, in, in wanting to spread the gospel. Um, and there is this great seal, and one of uh, the delights of going out there is that you can share the gospel anywhere. If I'm waiting for someone in a marketplace, some, because, because I'm white, someone will ask me, what are you doing here? And I tell them why. This develops into a discussion and, uh, uh, about the Lord, and I'm able to witness in the marketplace and then other people get, get, come around, and it's just so natural, so spontaneous, and uh, this can ha- this happens, you know, numerous times, uh, anywhere and everywhere. You uh, there's an opportunity uh, to share the gospel. Um, now, obviously, uh, the other thing is. Sorry, go ahead. Yeah. Go on, David. Go on. I, sorry, finish what, finish what uh, you're saying. Oh, I was just going to say, uh, on the other hand, there, um, there are certain areas of, uh, that I focus on in speaking which I have been asked to. Uh, two areas are by the, um, the, the pastor, who's a good friend of mine now, uh, and he, through him, uh, I was going to say many doors, the, the Tanzanian Assemblies of God churches, which they have 5,000 churches in the country, and that's a wide-open door there, and uh, I have many invitations to churches there. But there are two things I'm asked to speak on. One is on holiness, because I mean, for many years now, pastors have told me one of the, the difficulties is uh, 
sexual immorality among the young people in the churches. Uh, so I, one of the, the main things I speak on is on ho holiness, but uh, the, the foundation of that is the gospel, the power of the gospel, not just to cleanse from sin, but to free from sin. Uh, and that is one of the major topics. If I have a major topic, a theme that I speak on consistently, it is the nature of the gospel and how it changes our lives, how it cleanses our lives and sanctifies our lives and sets us free uh, from sin. Well, and I remember I... I Go on. I was going to say, I mean, that links to, of course, that very first address that you give in terms of the kingdom yes. and, and the, the yes. importance of the, of the lives that we live and the power that there is to enable us to mm. live it. Um, I, and I guess even in our own country that the people are longing for reality, you know, the, the, uh, the whole idea of, 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 of religion, which tells you all the things that you should do, but gives you no power whatsoever to do it, yeah. uh, you know, against this sort of universal, fantastic message of the gospel, you know, that, 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 mm. that Jesus lives in us by his spirit. Uh, and, and clearly you haven't lost your passion for sharing that, 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 that message uh, in, in Tanzania, where, no. for, where clearly there, there is a thirst for it. Well, yes, I mean, I was all, uh, originally, I was surprised in Romans chapter 1 when Paul says, you know, he's not ashamed of the gospel uh, of Jesus Christ, and he's willing to share it with the Romans, and I thought, well, they're already Christians. And I mistakenly uh, equated the preaching of the gospel with evangelization. But the gospel is the power of God unto salvation, unto those who need to be saved, and it remains the power of God's salvation to those who are saved and who are continued to be saved by the same power. Um, so uh, it remains central. I, and I remember I was asked to speak at a youth conference for five days, and there was a bishop there, and I spoke on sanctification on the first occasion, uh, the first session, uh, there was about 300 young people there. And so they had a time of prayer. As soon as we started, one of the leaders, the bishops, he just fell on his knees to the ground. Uh, and several people have said um, the same, they've said the same thing. They said, this is the gospel we heard 30 years ago. There's a whole group after the, at this conference, a group of pastors, and that's what they were talking about. Uh, and uh, one of the pastors said, do you know what they're talking about? I said, no, I wasn't listening. He said, this is what they're saying. And I spoke at another large church uh, along this same theme, and the bishop got up, and he said, I was converted 30 years ago by this gospel that we have heard today. So that's what they're saying. Um, and it, it does remain uh, a life-changing, it remains a life-changing gospel. And of course, for, it's for, an, for all of us, it's an international gospel, isn't it? That you know, no, yeah. no matter where yeah. it's as real in Tanzania as it is in the United Kingdom, as it is anywhere, you know, uh, uh, in the world. You mentioned uh, that obviously holiness is one of the things that they they are keen for you to speak on uh, because of the challenges yeah. that they have with the young people. What was the other area that you were going to mention? Uh, that is money. 
Ah, uh, I mean, it's it's quite distressing, um, and uh, on the other hand, uh, I, I'm I'm very thankful for the, the website I've been able to to set up with uh, uh, teaching, both audio and written teaching, in Swahili, that deals with these subjects. I had I'm someone is communicating me with me almost on a daily basis every second day who's come across my website uh, and absolutely thrilled he's, he's not the, the first one but it's to do with money like, uh, this guy he'd been to Dar es Salaam he works as a security officer in uh, a refugee camp in the northwest of Tanzania but he went to Dar es Salaam this is about a year ago and he went to a church now this is not uncommon and after the preaching people were asked to put themselves into queues come into this queue uh, this is the one pound queue if you want prayer for one pound stand here mm. uh, if you've got five pounds stand in this queue if you can pay five for the five pound prayer and then there's another queue for the ten pound prayer then there was another queue for the fifty pound prayer where probably the big preacher would pray for you himself mm. in an extended fashion this is not uncommon so they're paying to be prayed for mm. uh, it's very distressing um, so it's ex the other exploitation of the worst kind isn't it it is exploitation of the worst kind and so I wrote a, a long article on uh, tithing and uh, offerings and uh, every day there's between from 15 up to 60 people each day on my website they go to that article on tithe and offering and I've had uh, people contact me after coming across the uh, website um, almost in tears of joy I mean there was one student uh, he was going to a particular denomination which is quite well known uh, led by a well-known man and to join, if you want to join the church, you have to fill out a form, name, address, your job, your income you must put, and how much you're going to tithe you must put on the initial form. And if your tithing is less than 10% of your income, you cannot join. And so you're obligated to pay a minimum of 10%. And this young man, uh, this student, he had a government loan to pay for accommodation and food. And the church told him, you have to give us ten, at least 10% of your loan. He says, but it's a loan. It's a debt that I accrue, and it's for my living expenses. Yeah. Uh, they wouldn't budge. Uh, and he, but he wouldn't budge. He didn't think it was righteous. But then he got called a rebel, a sinner, a no-good Christian. And this is not uncommon. In, in this kind of environment that uh, even if inwardly you feel something's not right you have a whole company of Christians telling you you're a rebel mm. uh, you're a sinner because you won't tithe according to their scheme and then he came across and he's not the only one who came across uh, my my website and the release he felt the relief and release from the sense of rejection and condemnation for him was overwhelming and I've had others uh, the same who've been ousted from their church 
the other thing is they they try to raise money the pastors to build a better church uh, because they are poor the, the church structures are not very good at the beginning so they put pressure on people to to give and they set amounts you've got to give this amount in one year mm-hmm. and one man he had a large family he he gave according to what he could manage uh, but he didn't reach the target, their target for the year. And mm. The elders came to visit him. He said, well, I could only manage so much. And he wouldn't budge by trying to get into further debt by borrowing money to to reach their target. Uh, so they ousted him from the church. I mean, all of that, of course... And he came across... All of that, Sorry? I was going to say, all of that outlines the importance of good teaching and 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 stuff yes. that actually challenges uh, that exploitation. And uh, and it's very sad actually that it, that this sort of thing is Christian to Christian, you know. Um, and I guess it's become part of their culture. David, uh, let's have your yes. second piece of of, mu- yep. of music, and then I'll take a, uh, a trip down to Keith Jones and talk to them about some of the books. Then we'll come back so you can tell us, because yep. obviously the, uh, it hasn't been easy this past year, and you can tell us some more about what you've been able to do, uh, even though you haven't been able to go physically to uh, t- to Tanzania. Yeah. Hope FM, Faith-Filled Radio. Well, my very special guest today has been uh, David Stamen, who makes regular, well, normally would make regular visits uh, to uh, Tanzania. And, of course, we were talking there uh, just before we started to to talk to Darren about the terrible uh, exploitation that goes on where uh, where people are expected to pay for prayer and p- pray for uh, you know pr- prayer cloths and all sorts of things and and David uh, is is able to compact all of that but of course you haven't been able to go uh, uh, over the past 12 months to Tanz- Tanzania uh, how, how have they been coping has the has the country been badly hit by by covid well, it's, it's, on the one hand, it's difficult to say because last May, uh, Tanzania uniquely uh, ceased publishing uh, statistics uh, because the president tried out the, the tests uh, from the West on certain animals like a goat, a guinea pig, and they turned up positive for COVID, and they didn't have COVID. And he said the tests are not reliable. So... Uh, there have been no statistics from Tanzania uh, since May uh, of last year. Uh, but uh, the government took uh, measures early on, not a lockdown. It is very difficult to lock down a country like Tanzania. Um, you know, people can't sort of uh, get in a car, go to the local large supermarket, stop and stock up for a week. Many, many people live on a subsistence level, hand to mouth. And to create a lockdown, you end up with a situation like was reported on the media with regard in South Africa, where people were in long queues waiting for food handouts, where they were saying, it's not COVID that's killing us, it's hunger that's killing us now. And that is a delicate balance for for. Uh, sub-Saharan African leaders to have to uh, negotiate and uh, so they uh, the president didn't institute uh, restrictions right at the beginning with regards to people coming in had to go into hotels uh, closing down universities and schools and advising people about 
social distancing. But he didn't create a lockdown. However, during last year, uh, he also uh, uniquely, the president of Tanzania more than once, uh, he uh, publicly, uh, not just in short announcements, he gave a, a talk and shared with the people uh, that they were to look to God for healing, uh, that salvation is only to be found in Christ, not just for forgiveness of sins, but for healing also. This is the president of Tanzania, Magafuli. And he, this is last year, early on last year, he called on the nation uh, to, to fast and pray for three days over a weekend. Um, so uh, people can decide how much that was politically motivated, uh, many who know the situation say it wasn't. I heard him. It, uh, there, there was a genuineness in what he was sharing. Um, and in communicating with people from all over the country, from the middle of last year to the end of last year, people were all saying the same thing. We don't know of anything. There was even a report in a national newspaper here. Things seemed to have settled down there in a way they hadn't settled down, like, for example, in Kenya, where they had lockdown. Um, but that has now changed as of about three weeks ago. Uh, there is a second wave. Um, they did seem to be spared during last year uh, from a big second wave, but now uh, there, it, uh, there is a second wave with the president now acknowledging uh, that there is a second wave because he had said that COVID had passed, but now he's asking people to to, ta to take precautions, and again asked for people to to pray. He called for a weekend of prayer, and but it is uh, so. This second wave, and uh, now people are telling me that I've found around the country they know of people, neighbours who are dying of covid and of course and they, they they won't have the the access to the vaccines of course that we have in this country because they're a relatively poor country isn't it well it's not to do with the poverty of the country uniquely tanzania is refusing the vaccine uh, the president is skeptical of the vaccine because of the uh, tests on the animals that you talked about earlier well not no no that that was just to, that was the test to see if you've got it that was a different test now we're talking about the vaccine that oh. has been created. He is also ultra-skeptical of that and is refusing uh, to, to have any vaccines at the moment. Do you know, has, it been, has the vaccine been offered, you know, by uh, UN or whatever? I, th I think it is, yeah. Uh, now, the exact details, I don't know, but uh, the country has come under uh, criticism from the WHO for refusing to accept. I, I don't know the details, but I'm sure there is uh, some kind of subsidy, uh, some kind of help. Uh, uh, I, I don't think the money thing is, is the barrier there. Whatever the situation is technically, the, the, the barrier hurdle is not the, the cost of the vaccine. It is his skepticism and refusal to have it in the country that is the issue um, but people are uh, businesses are suffering uh, because of time now uh, uh, I won't go into to the details but people are suffering churches are suffering the pastors 
they they depend they're always full time normally they depend on the ties uh, a typical church might have 20 30 40 members that's a kind of an average typical church and the pastor depends on the tithe the tithe usually is is not very much uh, because people aren't uh, rich they are generally poor um, and they live hand to mouth anyway uh, and with this covid and the effect it's have having on some people going back to their home villages to uh, to the family networks to be supported there because micro businesses are suffering uh, people staying away from church self isolating or trying to keep out of crowds so the pastors um, uh, are really suffering uh, f- uh, f- no food maybe for days on end so as I mentioned last time I've continued uh, to give and it's the last five weeks I've been able to send funds uh, to support 50 pastors uh, and it's a bit more than just token food there's 30 kilos of rice 25 kilos of maize flour and 15 kilos of of button beans plus cooking oil uh, so that can last a family for several weeks for a month or two depending on the size of the family so i'm able to send funds to to support but, uh, folks uh, that are in desperate need do a sadly time has uh, has run away from us yes. but, but if people wanted to support what you're doing and i know that you're you're looking to restore being able to make those visits and in the meantime of course as you said you're sending aid if people wanted to to stand with you in doing that is it best that they check things out at your website how are they best do that yes i suppose so if they can find yeah the link would be at the bottom uh they can uh, i suppose the simplest way would be to contact me direct uh, yes. Well, well, shall we leave it? Shall, shall we leave it? If people, if people wanted to do that, if they make contact with me and use my email address. Ah, I, that, that that was my first thought, but I didn't want to mention that. That that would be that would be the best option. Absolutely. No, yeah. Well, so if 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 you wanted to make some response and stand with, with, with what is immense need for Tanzania and support, you know, David in supporting those those people uh, who are clearly suffering at the moment, then uh, drop me an email. Blair C at hopefm.com uh, and I will I will put you in touch with David. So that's Blair C at hopefm.com. David, thank you so much for being my guest today and we wish you uh, you know every blessing. For more inspirational interviews, podcasts and Hope FM best bits, visit hopefm.com forward slash listen again.